Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting world that we are in. We're going to talk about how there's so many factors that are in the finger pots of this agricultural business we all love. Uh, one of the issues is the fact that rain is so spotty. You can go five miles and see a huge difference in the amount of rains. Some new con- car numbers that have come out from the folks at Stonex for Brazil. We are going to look at that. The wheat market and its continued rise. And then the whole thing of the protein factor that's being looked at. As we all know, Tuesday, June hogs were higher than the June cattle futures. Something it's been a while since I remember that happening. So we're going to get all the details today from Arlen Sudeman. He is with Stonex. So let's start out locally. Uh, the weather's definitely been spotty. As you and I were talking, it's raining where I'm at right now, but it's just hanging out on the edge for you. Yeah, it really is. We keep seeing the rains to the west. They don't come this way. Then they, uh, other storms follow and track up, coming up from the Gulf uh, to the south and east of us. But uh that, that that indicates kind of the pattern that we're seeing where the northwestern Midwest is, is getting left off. Iowa, Minnesota, there have been some areas had some showers. Dakota, North Dakota really is dry yet, um, and the drought is very intense there. And that continues right up into the Canadian prairies. Uh, so that has big implications for spring wheat crop. Uh, will we be able to get the acres that are needed for spring wheat? And then how will the crop yield going forward? But even the even the corn and the soybeans, uh, we've got some areas of the northwest Midwest. And even some of the eastern Midwest has really been drying out. In Indiana, Ohio, um, where we lack the moisture to germinate the seed. Now, that's not widespread that we lack the moisture to germinate. The biggest problem right now is the cool soils. That's probably going to continue to be the case for the next 10 days. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of dryness concerns with the rains pretty much uh, holding to the southeastern Midwest here going forward. So hopefully some of those dry eastern Midwest areas will get rain. But unfortunately, we don't hold out a lot of optimism for the northwestern Midwest. So does that make some nervousness when you look at this market and as the crops are going into the ground, wondering the what-ifs in the next couple of weeks and months? Well, the two factors really at play would be the deterioration of the safrina corn crop in Brazil, which tends to shift more global export business to the United States, and our stocks are already getting snug. Um, and so that makes it even more important to get a big crop in the Midwest this year. And then when USDA had that disappointingly low corn acreage number on March 31st from their planning attention survey, that combination has now created a lot of excitement in the ags um, and is the primary reason why we've seen such a big run-up in prices considering how much corn that China is buying this year on top of our normal customers. So kind of the perfect storm coming together when you add in all of the money in this uh, economy right now and in, in the markets, all the fiscal monetary stimulus that's made its way into the markets, seeking any commodity, any asset that's got a, got a story in the ag's have the story well we talked about that a little bit before we went on the air and we're definitely seeing mainstream media picking up on this inflationary is a big factor and i'm sure it will continue for for the time being yeah it certainly is and uh, uh jay powell chairman of the federal reserve kind of acts as if inflation isn't happening or if it is it's just transitory in nature um but there you'd have trouble finding anyone who 
works in the industry or who trades in the industry uh, to agree with that. Uh, we're seeing rapid rises in prices in, in the commodities almost across the board. As I said, the ags are the hot one right now. Energies are heating up again, but kind of what's holding them back a little bit is the fact that we've got some really high COVID numbers in India, Brazil, Canada, and Japan, and those are big energy consumers. Um, if it wasn't for that, then we'd probably be seeing a lot more money going into the energy market, maybe a little less going into the ags. The other option is generally the equities. The equities are trading near record highs, but we've really slowed the upward momentum there with worries about inflation and tax hikes. Um, maybe hurting the economy. So, again, the money flow is prioritizing the ag sector, and that's probably doing two things, amplifying the move, the market's response to the fundamentals, and speeding it up earlier. You know, we're trading a weather market in the Midwest before we've even got the seeds in the ground. So that does leave us vulnerable down the road, um, but overall, nobody wants to stand in front of this train. Anytime we, we see a, a break in the market, it quickly gets bought. So as you watch all of this unfolding, is there a need to do some education on how our markets work in the ag world compared to mainstream world trade? Uh, there, there, there really is. And we're living in the world now of the retail trader, the novice retail trader. They've got this, these stimulus checks. We're finding out from surveys that they think that they can outsmart uh, Wall Street, outsmart the Chicago Board of Trade by trading them. Um, and so I, I get some very naive questions from traders um, that come in via Twitter that uh, are the very foundation basics of the market. So a lot of people are probably going to lose their uh, lose their money trying to trade it. As a lot of novices trying to trade it. Uh, this is not the type of market for the faint at heart, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of them, I think, are going to uh, learn that the hard way. Real quick before we head to break, uh, wheat market, it continues to, to move upward. Yeah, disappointing rains in the western plains, still very bone dry in the northern plains and the Canadian prairies, and some concerns now again about the Black Sea. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Add to it, we're going to switch over to what's been happening in the meat protein sector. It's an interesting subject to come up. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Wednesday right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing this conversation with Arlen Sudeman. He is with Stonex. We left talking about the wheat markets. We're going to do a little bit of grain wrap up here. But as this dryness continues, is that just going to add more fuel to this wheat fire? It is. Um, first of all, we're feeding a lot more wheat this year, not just domestically but globally because of the high corn prices. So that puts even more of an onus on producing a good crop of wheat. Um, and so a lot of concerns about the production. We need to make sure we get the range, get the production to be able to uh, service this increased demand that we're expecting over the coming year. All right, Safrina Corncrop, you guys came out with some new numbers out of uh, Brazil. What are they at? Yeah, we lowered a production estimate. This is a survey estimate uh, surveying our customers in Brazil, both producers and commercials there in Brazil, across the Safrina Corn Belt, uh, 100 million metric tons 
Uh, USDA is currently at 109 million metric tons. Uh, so that's quite a difference. Uh, two months ago, we were at 109. We lowered it to 105 last month and now to 100 million metric tons, and we're anticipating it may fall further. We're really in the core of the pollination period right now, and, and it's dry, and we don't see much relief here looking out the next two weeks or even beyond. It looks like the rainy season has ended for the crop. It's going to have to finish on very little moisture. All right, over to this livestock side of the trade. A lot of dynamics in this cattle and hog market. We mentioned the first half, the fact that June hog futures were higher than June cattle futures. That caught some attention from folks. Yeah, and it's not like there's not demand for the for the beef. We're certainly seeing that with choice cuts trading up to $305 this morning. Uh, just unbelievable. Kind of the trade thought that maybe choice would top seasonally at 260, and here it is uh, trading at 305, uh, just continuing to go higher. Packer margins are estimated at almost $700 per head. Now, we did see cash trade open up this week a little bit higher than what was expected, kind of led by one of the Packers that led the way last year toward helping share the wealth a little bit with uh, with the feeders. Whether that trend is going to continue, we'll have to see, but it did help support the board today. The big problem on the cattle side is the lack of capacity. Uh, we simply can't get enough animals through, and so that's limiting the supply of product. Consumer demand is high right now coming out of the pandemic with the cash-rich consumer, so they're paying up for it now at these levels. Um, but our fear is that what it's going to do with not passing on these returns to the feeders is we're going to have some feedlots simply shut down, and that's going to reduce the number of animals that are available, causing those beef prices to be even higher. We look at the pork complex, it's kind of the opposite there. Uh, we're, we're seeing cash hogs up 77 78% from the year to date, from the New Year's. Uh, up that high, but the product price is only up about 41%, the carcass composite price. So we're seeing negative margins there. The expectation that we're, we're getting close to Packers simply slowing the chains or reducing slaughter in order to increase the product prices. Uh, if we do that, then we put pressure on the cash prices on the, and on those futures prices then as well since we have a cash settlement there um, and and that reduces the supply of pork product at a time when we're running out of beef product as well. The concern is that we could push the consumer away from the protein sector and uh, due to a lack of capacity on the cattle side, on the cattle processing side. So having said that and knowing that it's harder to fill these weekend shifts, what is going to be the, the nearby effects or long-term effects uh, on the need to fill shifts to get these animals processed? Yeah, that's the good question because it, these are jobs generally held by people. I picture having a good work ethic, and if they don't want to work weekends, what does that say about our American culture? Who does want to work weekends? Who, where's, where's that work ethic gone? Um, and if we can't get the shifts increase, then the option is to either shut down feedlots, which I mentioned tightening the supply, or adding slaughter capacity. But if you're going to add slaughter facilities for adding capacity, you can ta start talking about it today, but you're not going to have that added capacity for another two to three years. 
two to three years down the road, we don't anticipate having the amount of stimulus in the economy and the consumer willing to pay what he or she's willing to pay today for those finer cuts of meat. So uh, the industry is really at a crossroads right now. So to add to that, could there be incentives from those packers back to the cattle producers? Well, that would be one of the options that if they did that a year ago, just kind of sharing the wealth to keep those feedlots open. That still doesn't solve the capacity problem. Uh, you still got to get the animals through and, and perhaps stimulate the labor, doing whatever you can to stimulate the labor to work the weekends. Lots of things that we hit on today, Arlen. The best way to get a hold of you? StoneX.com over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.